We begin this podcast underwater. At least, that's where I am. We visit the Olympics in Tokyo. We travel back more than a hundred years before that. We talk about a trip to Sweden. We have stuff stolen. Someone has an accident in their pants. We want to look away, but we can't. All on the way to answering the question, ever heard of Watho Huck? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. At the moment of this particular episode going live, I'm away on vacation, and if all goes according to plan... I'm wearing scuba gear, 35 feet underwater, next to my wonderful wife and our dive buddy, Peter, and enjoying the beauty of God's creation somewhere just off the coast of Bonaire. When I return, there will probably no doubt be some new episodes with stories about our adventures, because as you're about to find out, I love stories. When Sarah and I return from almost any trip we take, She will remember the names of the places we visited. I, on the other hand, I'm that person who struggles to remember the names of the city or the castles or the landmarks that we visited. I remember stories. I just don't remember the names of those places. The nature of my personality is that I love stories. I seek them out. I'm shaped by them. I collect them. And as you can probably tell, I really enjoy telling them as well. It's not something I try to do. It's just how I'm wired. I'm not just entertained by these stories. They touch me deep in my soul, and I'm shaped by them. A really wonderful story, even someone else's story, is a spiritual learning experience for me. Even if God is never directly mentioned in the story. I guess that's why I get so excited about you know, when the Olympics roll around. Now, I don't know about you, but when the Olympics are coming, probably a year in advance, I mark them on my calendar. Even when the Tokyo Olympics were coming around, I marked them on my calendar. And then when they moved, I moved the date on my calendar. I love the Olympics. And truth be told, it isn't the gold medals that keep me tuning into the events. I'll often actually skip the medal ceremonies. I tune in for the stories. Given that I've spent a good 30-plus years in ordained ministry, I will acknowledge that the stories in Scripture are the primary place I turn for life lessons and spiritual direction. But again, I will also admit that I find I'm deeply moved and stirred by other stories as well, and the Olympics can be a setting where such stories emerge. So I want to tell you the story of one of our greatest and most remarkable Olympians. And when I say our I don't mean the United States, because although this Olympian did represent the United States, I think Olympians are all our athletes. When they get to the Olympics, I prefer to think that their stories are representative of humanity rather than some particular nation. When we watch the Olympics, I hope that what we take away is not the notion of winners and losers, but people struggling to be the best they can be. On May 22, 1887, a boy was born. His dad's name was Hiram. His mother's name was Charlotte. He was born a Native American and was a member of the Sac and Fox Nation. 
Though he later went by the name James, and we know him as Jim, he was baptized under the name Jacobus, rather than James or Jim. He was, as was the tribal custom, given his native name when he was born, and his native name was Wathohuk, and I really apologize about that pronunciation because I don't know. As I understand it, the tribal name is often given in reference to something that's happening at or around the time of the birth of the child. In this case, his name means bright path, which I just think is beautiful, or in a more specific and careful translation, again, as I understand it, because I'm not knowledgeable in this, a better translation would be path lit by a great flash of lightning. Lightning struck near the cabin during the time of his birth, so he was thus named. When I first heard the detail, this particular detail of his life, I was struck by the dramatic foreshadowing. This man was eventually to become one of the most famous athletes in the world. He was presented a medal by the king of Sweden and was told by the king in that moment, you're the greatest athlete in the world. It just feels poetic and right for an illuminating bolt of lightning, lighting the path to be his tribal name. But instead of life being easy, there were major setbacks, some significant tragedy in his early life. And his story will eventually be one that is inspirational, I hope. But bear with me as he goes through more than his share of hardships first. He attended the local school, Sack and Fox School, with his twin brother, Charlie. Evidently, Charlie was the better student, so helped Jim make his way through those early school years. That was until Charlie got pneumonia and died at the age of nine. And that seems to have begun a troublesome childhood for Jim, and that's certainly understandable. He ran away from home several times. Matter of fact, he ran away from home so many times that his father eventually pulled him out of that school and sent him to a boarding school from which he would not be able to run away so easily. Unfortunately, that wasn't all. More tragedy was on the way. Two years after he went to the new school, his mother dies, sending young Jim into a deep depression. He also had growing conflict with his father and eventually left school and home to work at a horse ranch. And it wasn't until he was 16 that he returned home to his father and agreed to re-enter school. So he began to attend Carlisle Indian Industrial School, where he was recognized for his athletic ability. I think it's remarkable that one of the most famous athletes of all time didn't really begin athletics until he was 16. He joined the football team and was coached by Glenn Scobie Warner, or as he's better known by us, Pop Warner, who was truly one of the most influential football coaches of all time. Now, things were on their way up for young Jim, right? Well, unfortunately, later that year, after he'd returned to school, his father was injured in a hunting accident, contracted gangrene, and he eventually dies from the poisoning of gangrene. Again, Jim was so distraught that he dropped out of school for a year or two before eventually returning. Now, I could spend quite a bit of time telling you about his remarkable athletic achievements in high school and then really remarkable athletic achievements in college, but suffice it to say, he was a standout in multiple sports. 
1912, Jim headed to the Olympics in Stockholm, Sweden. There were two events that had been recently added to the Olympics, and they both contained multiple events. They were pentathlon and decathlon. One particular day of the Olympics, he showed up at the track ready to compete in two running events that day. While his attention was turned elsewhere, he had his track shoes stolen from him. Here he was getting ready to compete, and his shoes, the only really vital part of his equipment, had been stolen. Now, given what we know about his story, the story of his childhood, and the number of devastating setbacks he experienced, and how they occasionally and absolutely understandably derailed him, the expected thing would have been for him to assume that the universe was once again out to get him. The expected thing would have been for him to quit and just assume this wasn't his day. But what he did was quite unexpected. He turned to the place I would never look in this moment for a solution. Out of what I can only assume was desperation, he started going through the trash. I'm not sure if he was hoping that the person who had taken his shoes had discarded them into the trash, or if he hoped to find some sort of solution in the trash can, or if he just lost it and was going through the trash can, I don't know. But in the trash, he was able to find two usable shoes. Unfortunately, they weren't a match set, and they didn't really both fit him either. So one of them was much larger than his foot, so he put on a couple of socks so that that large shoe wouldn't slide around on his foot. And those are the two shoes that he wore that day. There's a picture of him, after the day's events, wearing two clearly mismatched shoes. His socks didn't even match in the picture, and I will post that to my Facebook page, as well as I'll try to put a link in the show notes if you want to see the picture. You can just Google it. There are lots of pictures of him. That day, he wore two mismatched shoes, extra socks on one foot because one shoe didn't fit. And yet Jim Thorpe won two gold medals that day. But the gold medals aren't the story. What he did in the face of adversity is the story. Now, you could certainly argue with me that if he hadn't won the gold medals, we would never even be talking about his pulling shoes from the garbage, which might be true. But I hope not. There are other stories that we love and follow that don't lead to victory. You know who, arguably, is the most famous triathlete of all time? Now, triathlon is a race of three parts, swim, bike, and run, and they're done one right after the other. And the Ironman triathlon is a particularly grueling version of this race that consists of an almost two-and-a-half-mile swim, 112-mile bike ride, and then the competitors get off the bike and immediately run a marathon, 26.2 miles. In 1982, a young woman entered her first Ironman triathlon. Actually, I think it was her first triathlon ever. And with only several miles to go in the final leg, the run, this first-time competitor had a comfortable lead and seemed to be a shoe-in to win the race. But at just about the two-mile mark, two miles to go, Due to dehydration, her body began to shut down, and she was slowing down, and before long, she was reduced to walking, and then literally reduced to crawling on her hands and knees. 
No, she didn't go on to win. She was passed by a competitor who won the race. Her name's Julie Moss, and Julie Moss went on to crawl across the finish line. She didn't win. She was passed. And yet that finish became the most famous finish probably in the history of the sport and perhaps one of the most famous finishes in the history of all sports. Now, you could say, yes, Dan, but there was something noble about her last bit of struggle. Well, kind of, yeah, I guess so. But also, I don't think so. If you've seen the film, she's not only crawling, she lost bowel control. There's nothing dignified about that moment, but there was something remarkable. She didn't win, but her story stood out because of her tenacity in the face of adversity and embarrassment. Just as Jim Thorpe's story stands out, not because of his victories, but because of his tenacity in the face of adversity, and I would even add embarrassment. Most world-class athletes would not want to go out in mismatched shoes and socks at this point. The world would have us believe that your life is nothing more than a sum total of your accomplishments, your accolades, and your wins. But your achievements are not your story. They aren't even the most interesting part of your story. Your story, the most interesting part of your story, is the time in which you faced adversity and then what you did in the face of that challenge. Look, I'm never going to be a gold medalist. I never was going to be a gold medalist. Just that wasn't in the cards for me. But I am going to face difficult times. Times that seem hugely unfair, like having shoes stolen or just about to win a race and your body literally won't take another step. Those are stories I can relate to far more than the gold medals. Those stories stir me. Those stories call me to be the best me I can be. Not call me to be a winner because that doesn't matter. Call me to draw upon the resources that God has given me, even in the face of adversity. And then see what comes of that. Now that makes a great story. That's all for today. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you get notified of future episodes. Also, you can find me on Facebook and YouTube. Just search for Sky Pilot Faith Quest. And you might want to check me out on Facebook, particularly this time, because I'll post a link of Jim Thorpe in his mismatched shoes. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, my email address is dan at skypilot.zone. Again, that's dan at skypilot.zone. And on your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for listening to SkyPilot Faith Quest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember... The sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.